Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to another episode of Remap Radio. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and this is episode 9, July 28th, 2023. Let me just make sure I'm actually recording. I just had that horrible moment of playing back the last five minutes of like, (laughs) did I really do the thing or did I think about doing the thing and then was like, that counts, but I did do the thing. So uh, we can continue onwards. Uh, Today, as usual, we have Ricardo Contreras. Do you, You can't see your recording while you're recording? I just had to cover it up right under the window. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I feel incredibly ever- judged now. <laughs> no, Does I everyone mean, watch like- their wave file? Like their I watch their I, wave I do, files sometimes. I do. But like just in just case. right now it's Well sometimes you might you might accidentally be muted or something goes wrong nope. and the only way to know would nope. be to see yeah. it. <laughs> We could get, we could get, I could get muted. You know how my computer works. Like with my USB drivers, like I could legitimately, my, my whole fucking audition could crash and I would have no idea if I'm not looking at it. Um, gotta be looking at it. I'm a lifelong looker. People are always saying this. <laughs> that was Renata Price. And of course you just heard him a moment ago, Patrick Klepek. Uh, meanwhile, I need to, I, I need some sort of monitoring situation for this room. Uh, possibly, possibly for me. <laughs> Because I am in the least air-conditioned room of this house, uh, of, the, of this condo. And a key thing to understand about my office, mm. my, my beautiful new office that I was so excited mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. It was entirely designed and planned out and thought about in the fall of last year and built mm-hmm. in the winter of this year. And now it is July. A historic <laughs> heat wave has, has struck. And I have to be honest, uh, I am now keenly aware of how much waste, pe- waste heat comes pouring out of a computer. Uh, just two computers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh we can't run two. two com- well, we just, we, b- folks, we love our stream machine. We love it. Um, <laughs> Patrick, why don't you get one too? Wait, but Patrick, don't you have a giant sip of water? Don't you have a, cent- you have a central AC system? Like, you have got AC in that room, right? Patrick? Uh, yes, I do. So you'd be fine. You'd be fine. You can run as many computers. I, but you I, can run I a server that, farm I, if you want. I don't. I donated that machine. I donated guts of that machine. I pay. I paid it forward. That machine is gone. It will never be a stream <laughs> machine. Can never be tempted. Okay. So, Sorry, Rob. Continue. What, no, what is I mean, connect? So hold on. Lay out of lay out of your place. Behind you, you have a door. I've never been to your place. What is? Because sometimes key to, uh. Uh, the lack of like AC up there, right? So you have no AC at all, or it just doesn't reach. Uh, it doesn't reach. Oh, I, I have AC, but the problem with all of it is that, and this is intrinsic to the layout of the building, right? Uh, Ren, before I continue, you have a question mm-hmm. that might no, be relevant. Yeah, 
Sorry, I thought that your AC was that like weird thing you had kind of plugged into your window. Was that a different? Was that a? Di- was. That's the AC. That's the AC. That's one of is the, the contraption. So, last okay. year, uh, this is the other thing. Uh, our building has a ancient heating system. Like literally, there's now one company that makes the heat pumps in in the built-in heat pumps in the units. And they're the last company doing it, and the price just keeps going up and up and up for uh, what is what amounts to an obsolete forty-year-old piece of HVAC technology. <laughs> it's just like a luxury car, <laughs> except for old heating pipes that no one else will touch. Yeah, like it just it, like imagine if it was just like utterly loathsome. That's that's kind of what it is. It sounds like a riding lawnmower uh, when it's when when it's running at full tilt. The other thing, the other charming thing about it is, well, they're all prone to failure. Um, for because things get in the pipes uh, throughout the building and cause like sort of chain reactions. And the other the other issue, and this is this is probably the, the major one, is that you can't run like the entire building can't get heat and cooling at the same time. The system has to flip over. It's either heating season or it's cooling season. And the cooling is kind of a shared resource. It relies on a cooling tower. Uh, so there's uh, through through the miracle of like evaporative cooling and uh, you know having like long like long height drops uh, as as part of the, the the cooling loop. The 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 cooling is a shared resource across the building. So mm-hmm. you can overstress the system like a mac and there's no more cool there's just no more cool air coming through <laughs> or not much no more cool just, just no like a mac. not no more cool we're out of cool out of cool Damn. so a thing that worked out well last year was we got a really early heat wave last year before the system had been changed over to uh cooling for the summer it was still on heating and we were like well this is going to be awful. And so we ordered those portable units uh, that, that you were referring to, Ren, where we had the thing tucked into the window. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be clear, like this is, this is how much the technology has changed. The built-in units are like six feet high, uh, built-in, you know, occupy a huge bay. And as I sort of alluded to, they're, they're kind of crap. And then the portable unit is just a little tiny, like mini fridge size thing with a big tube coming out of it. And it's the more effective of the ACs uh, that that we have. But the the big issue, you know, Patrick, is that everything is oriented toward where the windows are on our on our apartment. And then the door to to the condo no is flow. in the atrium no flow. of the mm-hmm. building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't reach. And then no, it certainly doesn't reach through the choke point of where like you know, upstairs, the bedroom ends uh, and you go into the hall and then downstairs where the dining room ends and you go into the foyer. Uh, the, like the 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 cooling air does not reach. And that's fine. It covers most of the critical portions of the house. But my office um, will get up to like. It'll it'll easily reach into the 80s if I'm not running anything in here uh, on days mm. like this. And if I am running stuff, uh, oh, brother. We are heading for 90 degree heat here. And yes, like <laughs> I am now like this is why I now I am the proud owner. Uh, Ren, you alluded to it's like a mech. I wear a cooling vest now uh, when it <laughs> is time right. to do this. You have to get into uh, your suit, to, your mech suit. <laughs> yep. 
because uh, because otherwise it's just it's unbearable. So I was uh, in uh, San Antonio, Texas uh, over over the weekend uh, where it was over 100 every day I was there <laughs> except for one. Uh, and I almost bought one of those vests just for this trip. Uh, and then my, and then my girlfriend stopped me and was like, no, 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 we'll spend most of the time in the AC, which we did. However, uh, it's fucking miserable. Oh my God. Like even just like outside New York, it's fucking miserable. So I cannot imagine having that in your home. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely sorry, Rob, as, as someone who does not handle the heat particularly well. Uh, that is, you're describing hell to me. You're describing a pain hell to me. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely a little rough. Which floor? Which floor is the office on? Oh, the highest floor in the building. No, uh, no. Uh, no. Yeah, we get we get all the we get all the heat, and and behind me is the fire escape door. In milder weather, uh, I can open that up. I got little baby gates for the for the doors so that I can have everything open, so Mina can't get out and and raise havoc. Plus, there's we've always had a big question. Of does Mina understand how high up we are? Because the fo- the 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 building atrium is no. like a twelve no. story drop. <laughs> That's like an open oh question. God. Like you're like debating philosophically if the dog understands the height. I'm not debating it philosophically. I'm like trying to figure <laughs> out whether it's like instant death if she ever made it out unleashed into the atrium, or mm-hmm, mm-hmm, if like mm-hmm. she would at least have like concerns before she was like, <laughs> I'm going to try to get on that beam. <laughs> how many stories 12, how many 12 stories? stories 12 death, stories i think they call that death stories um yeah. once you're once you're over two um uh, yeah i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't uh, yeah it's not it's not a question yeah. i want to find out <laughs> but we so when the weather's milder if we open up the apartment we can get decent ventilation flowing uh from the atrium through through the rest of the building but in this kind of weather all you can do is seal everything up uh because the acs are not going to if you get behind on the cooling, uh, you're you're just screwed. And that's why all these little guidelines about like, you know, why don't you set your AC higher so you're not using as much energy? And it's like, I am going to use the same amount of energy and I'm just going to be struggling to keep up at, you know what I mean? Like once, if I'm like, I'm going to set the AC to like 74 or like 76, it'll take longer to kick on. But once it does, it'll be going full blast all day. And it will not get it below 76, which sucks. Are, are there are portable ACs that just plug into a wall as opposed to into a window unit. Have you investigated You need a place to vent these? them. Mm-hmm. Which I do not have. <laughs> there are okay. no right. holes in the, in the office. No, I mean, I could, I could like wedge it into the fire escape thing, but uh, what a, what a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> um, well, I, well you, okay. Huge pain in the ass. I hear you. Also, oh, you're wearing a neck cooling unit in order to do your primary job. <laughs> it's true. But like, it, once that thing were hooked in there, I'd be leaving this thing open like a ton of the time. And like, it's not that far from like where we're sleeping. It'd be like, ha- it'd be like having a door open in your house, uh, like all year that people are like traipsing through. Uh, I guess I'm just thinking while you're doing your job, right? Like, like, it's not, I'm not talking about permanent cooling. I'm talking, hey, flip this thing on, bring down the heat during the critical periods where you're trying to use your brain uh, to to pay your bills. I'm trying to figure out like temporary ways to bring it down as opposed to, because otherwise I imagine you're doing your best to spend not time at that desk when you are in sweltering and you're only coming in here when hey this is where the microphone this is where all the this is where the equipment is um yeah well i think so patrick i think you you sort of 
you're getting at where all of this is pointing. I need another gaming PC. Uh, I'm gonna push. I'm gonna. You're gonna go in ocean because I was. I I was about to come to you in a moment of solidarity. I was about to be like, as someone who also doesn't like being in their primary workspace because it's a 30 minute walk through the fucking New York summer. I I get you, Rob. I understand you. And then you said that shit now. And now I'm back on Patrick's side. Everyone needs to unsubscribe from this website. <laughs> like I understand that it's allowing me to do things, but I, I think. But it's also allowing Rob this to do going. things. I don't think it's MK is not an obstacle anymore. Is MK does does she exist? Unclear. Um, has Rob collected insurance? Oh, it's just no. like well, a partner here, love, comfort, a future, but also. Multiple gaming PCs. Now, I'm not accusing Rob of anything untoward. I'm just saying, suddenly we're we're putting out. Can we get another forty ninety? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I think the 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 other thing I should probably I you know what I probably need to do though is I just need to start taking advantage of things like um like Steam streaming from point to point, yeah. or like run the gaming PC but play stuff downstairs because that's that that's the real issue is that it's just it, it kind of sucks up here uh, a good portion of the time. You Not can run morning. Ethernet, right? You can run Ethernet downstairs because you already have. Did you yeah. have that set up before going? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, the, the, the NV, like the NVIDIA Shield accessory works exceptionally well, um, plugs in through Ethernet, runs GeForce now. I've heard about that service um, <laughs> and things like Steam Link work. I, I, remarkably well as long as they're within close proximity and then the question yeah. becomes um even over ethernet it's just like it, it can get a little wonky but if you're doing ethernet like i mean you're gonna be able to do the vast majority of what you want to do yeah. between like a shield and a and a steam link also wait don't you have a steam deck i do but like i i want to play stuff like on the there's a lot of stuff i don't want to play like in a handheld uh, yeah. on a big form. screen on a big yeah. TV yeah and like real frame rates like Steam Deck is real capped in, well, in that I, regard yeah I've, yeah I've I've I ran into this issue actually really recently where I was playing something that I can talk about in a in a week and a half and I was like playing it on my Steam Deck and I was like I don't know if this game's very good and I played it on my PC and I was like ah, I see the problem <laughs> I see yeah. the problem <laughs> Steam Deck cannot all really, the timings were fucked yeah I can't really keep up with a lot of modern games uh, at this at this stage well it is I'm but- excited to not have to use it. Well, I mean, it is the like, like bit by bit, it is turning into a thing where like I'm finding all the use cases for, oh, like there's real utility for being able to run something elsewhere and then play it in any room that you mm-hmm. might be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, until a couple months ago, that wasn't really a high priority because it's like I have many fun places to hang out in the apartment. And now I'm I'm very much like. I badly want to play this game not up here at the <laughs> at the gaming rig. Do you have like a files equivalent? Uh, no, I don't. I'm not that lucky. I've, I, is that Comcast? Is that uh, is that what they call a Comcast? Comcast. No, that's is a files, for, right? No, I'm, no I'm, Verizon, Verizon files. No, sorry, no, no. I was fucking with you. Like, I mean, no, I, I need to clear. I just needed to clarify. <sighs> so, uh, as is often that, like, I can pull up a broadband map. And I can see how close the oh, like fastest closer. speeds are. They are encroaching block by block toward me. <laughs> but the last time they sent a real technician through, he was like, the way this is going to happen is they're going to run the wire uh, like through your neighborhood first. And then they're going to turn on the service probably like years later. 
Uh, like it, it's it's closer than it was, but I, I should like I have a very good I've I have a very good connection. Not 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 amazing, but like it's 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 pretty strong. So it's it's fine for for anything I need. But it's it's definitely like I've never been in a situation where suddenly I am like where the office feels like a cockpit in a in in a car or a Mac or something where it's like oh I can actually now feel just the waves of heat roiling off this machine. Right. Um, and yes, during our streams, like if I'm running something here on the the game machine and then streaming, like it is, you can almost feel the heat currents just like washing through the room. Uh, and then I'm like, I'm worried, like, is this good streaming? Like, are people going to look at me and like, Rob looks like he's fucking dying. He's <laughs> <laughs> just got like the flop sweats and everything. Just yeah. got a beautiful like, like wow, glaze. He's, he's really getting into this game. He seems to be concentrating so hard. Like, is the problem the sharpening filter through this stream or is it the, <laughs> the, 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 the bucket of water that seems to have been dumped on Rob? Oh my god, is Rob taking the limitless pill? Is that, is that the new type uh, sheen? <laughs> well, basically. Um, I'm curious though, like, I mean, the weather, here's the thing, this heat, this weather front is everywhere? Like, we're all dealing with yeah. this, right? Yeah, yeah it yeah. sucks. Somebody said the word Bermuda something. Hold on. I want to okay. find it again. There's like a specific yeah. name for the type of heat wave it is. And it's like Beyond. Bermuda. That feels like a sigh up to make us avoid <laughs> calling it climate change. Bermuda high, a Bermuda high, which is a New pit. York. <laughs> Apparently, oh, sorry, just bad. Him. Okay, well, what does that mean? Uh, oh, I have to Google this. Yeah. Bermuda. According well, to the, some variant of like when they like get like a heat dome and like there are different ways that heat. Uh, yeah. Ah, it's a pressure system sits over the Atlantic during the summer, acting as a block that hurricanes cannot penetrate. A Bermuda um, It's so hot. That sounds kind of sick, actually. <laughs> like, you don't well, have to worry about hurricanes. Well, Pros. Well, <laughs> cons. Sweltering. Thurs cons. Thursday through Friday, up 90s to 110 is what we're looking at yeah. for those yeah. two days. Yeah, oh the my heat God. index is yeah. The heat index is going to be completely fucked in New York, especially because it's it's because of how coastal, like of yeah. how humid it is. I believe it's like I've seen like 105, 110. Again, I was just in <sighs> uh, San Antonio, and I remember like walking outside into a blast furnace and being like, "Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool." Uh, even the walk. So I, I went, I went and saw Barbie uh, over over the weekend while I was in San Antonio, and the walk from the car, sorry, from from the theater to the car, almost dropped me. Um, it was, it was bad. I took a walk with my girlfriend and her mother. We got halfway around a lake and she was like, oh, you got to go back inside. You're going to fall. Uh, it's not good. Hey, hey y'all, you, you know that Friday stream we're supposed to do? It's supposed, yeah, it's supposed to be 110 here. I don't know that my computers can take that. Because <laughs> I don't have, also, I don't have AC. <laughs> um, I was, um playing my steam deck in san antonio and it crashed because the, it couldn't it couldn't cool itself down because the ambient temperature outside i was playing outside for a minute was so hot that the steam deck could not effectively cool itself <laughs> it started properly. turning to, to steam gamers <laughs> yeah. we gotta do something we gotta do something cool itself to begin with shit. though that's yeah. true that's true patrick who here's playing red faction is... gorilla <laughs> i haven't it's but it's time classic smash things 
So wait, Kyle, you also don't have an AC in that room? You're in the same boat I am? <laughs> yeah, basically I have to close the living room door and put our window unit on blast to make that room cold enough that I can fan in cold air to this room. Um, it's not great. It's fine. Uh, 100, though, is too hot. I don't know yeah. that that's gonna work. We'll think, about, <laughs> we'll think it. We'll you know what? We'll we'll circle we'll, back to, we'll to see, Friday. Plans. We'll see how it looks. <laughs> Patrick, is central air keeping up, or are are you like are you like good? Or in this heat, does it start to like just lose the battle across the die? It's not. It has to get to ninety. Like humidity, you're not too worried about. But it's like raw temperature is when you start losing the the AC battle. It's got to get to like ninety five plus. So like it feels not. It feels above nine. I think it's ninety. Six today, but it's not getting till ninety six till five p.m. It's getting as opposed to hitting its apex in the like wow. the middle of the day. It's uh it's getting warmer as the day the day goes on. So the the trick there is just to set it lower. So it, the weird part is like my house is extremely cold in the winter uh because it has trouble ca- uh, capturing heat, and then I need to forcefully make it colder at the beginning of the day when before the heat has caught up, so that when I, I watch my AC, it's losing it less. I put in more of the what do you call it? The uh, insulation in our our attic, and you know, t- two grand later, uh, that is that at least like you see you you see it losing the battle over a longer period. It's a more of a war of attrition as opposed to just uh, rolling over uh, and dying. Chicago's uh, uh, built cool, right? Like like Illinois is like built cool, right? Or is it or is it built so, hot? No, because the summers like, have always been brutal in the Midwest. So like it's got. Okay. Like central air is pretty much expected and necessary uh, th- throughout the region. I meant architecturally. Yes, it is predominantly okay. like the buildings are built with winter in mind. Uh, but like really everything is built with kind of handling both the seasons uh, mm-hmm. and right. Midwest Midwest summers uh, like are historically generally tend to be worse than coastal summers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember I was I was in Ohio and yeah. then I, I, I remember sitting outside in like 95 days and just being like, I'm going to sit outside, but it's going to be in the shade for set amounts of time. Yeah. Um, I've I, I have lived that life. I was just curious where where the, yeah. the suburbs of Chicago fell in there. They're just you just crank the AC and then it's just a, then it's just a battle between your partners and children over like, what do we define as hot? When do when does that AC go Wait, on? Wait, Patrick, and which side of this are you on? Oh, I would always. I, I just rather have a bunch of fans running, windows open, and I'll just, I'll just deal with it. But that's like the money. Con- like, I there he goes, folks. The cheapest man in video games. <laughs> yeah, I am. But as soon, but as it, it, so, but but as soon as we had kids, I just, I gave that up. Right. So, um, yeah. that's not like a fight that I, I, I try to fight anymore because at the end of the day, whatever it will cost me overnight to keep things. Cooler uh, is is worth sleeping is, yes. as opposed to uh, yeah. having my children wake up um, because that's something that's the life I lived when I was a kid. We didn't have much money uh, growing up. And so it wasn't a choice on whether the AC went on or not. It just didn't go on in the summer unless it hit dangerous levels of heat. And so I have lots of let's call them fond memories of just sitting in sweat. Um, at like three in the morning, um, trying mm-hmm. to fall asleep. Um, and it's not Jesus. like, uh, and eventually we got past that. Um, but, um, yeah, there were a lot of times where you just, if it was humid, it went on. If it was a dry heat, you fucking deal with it was basically yep. what my, my mom told me. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, 
Yeah, I remember my parents. Some it's weird. My dad would be on the one hand like room temperature is in sixty eight degrees, room temperature sixty five degrees, and I'm like, Dad, that's, very, that's pretty fuck? cool. Dad, that's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's not yeah. Yeah, ours. Ours is seventy five on average, and then hit, like today it's at seventy three. Like it needs to be a couple ticks below to compensate for the heat. My dad runs sixty five, dude. Oh I, my like God. it's and it, like it wasn't great <laughs> growing up, but like when I go back and visit, I'm like, this is unbearable. Like, how do you how do you live? That's like this? winter. That is just uh, unbelievable. Yes. yes, it's it's a little intense. But then, but then there will be moments where it's like it's time to be cost conscious, and he'd be like, <laughs> you know, these beautiful nighttime breezes. You know, and we get cross breezes through the house. It'll be fine. Just like open your door, open the windows, and you'll be good. I don't know what the problem is. And it's like, well, Dad, the shrubs cover my windows, so that no breeze comes through. And also, <laughs> the prevailing winds rarely blow into the windows. And he's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You'll love these. You'll love the beautiful, the beautiful cross ventilation we got going on in here. And there was none, none whatsoever. But I, I do like. I think one thing, so behind me, I've got like sort of a ridiculous, not ridiculous, it's a pretty normal floor fan, but I sort of daydream about like, there has to be like lots of, sometimes I feel like the thing I need in life is lots of little like low profile fans just to like, so have you done, have you circulate. done the fan? Yeah. So when I bought a, a fan for my office, it's back, you can't, it's over there in the corner next to the skeleton. Yeah. And the idea behind this fan it's a vor- is, is that a Vornado? It's like that. I don't know if it's. It is. It is a Vornado. Yeah. And the concept behind these is not that you have the normal oscillating fan where you're actively feeling the wind on you. It's instead shooting powerful amounts of wind to bounce all around the room to bring the overall temperature down. And it does it does work like that one. I don't know. It was 60 or 70 bucks. Like it wasn't anything absurd. Um, But I have found it works perfect for if I shut the door to my office, like flip that on like it brings the temperature down considerably. But it feels weird because I've been conditioned growing up in the Midwest to associate uh, fans with, uh, yep. you know, like <laughs> sitting in front of the big box fan. Sit in front of the big box fan. And and even my that one there I'll sometimes put in my kid's room because I don't usually uh, play games out of my office after after work is over. And she makes me point the fan I was like, well, that's not really how this works. She's like, but point it at me. And then I'll go to sleep. I'm like, I mean, fuck, I don't care, man. You can point that shit and crank it to three, which is a really high, like, or it's, yeah. it's like the THX like thing, like, <laughs> like, and that wind is just blowing her hair back. But you might want to look into one of those because they're much quieter than the kind of fan you have behind you. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of here nor there when it comes to, like, recording necessarily, but it'll operate fine on a stream and, like, won't, yeah. like, hit a threshold that that people are going to be bothered by. And it just has a lower profile more generally. And you can buy well, nicer ones than the one I got. I just sort of started there and was like, I really like this. Then when it's a sale, I'll buy a nicer one and move that to a different part of the house. I'm just sort of obsessed with the idea of, like, what about, like, are there ways where – because the thing I would love to not have – is a fan sitting on a floor or sitting on a table, but like, are there ways to like sort of hide them like around, I don't know, the baseboards or like the corners of your, the corners of your home. You can get um, a clippy fan, I- like, you know, like those little ones, like <laughs> the little bendable things, put that right on, uh, on your monitor and just, 
Because because yeah, I'm with you, Patrick. Like it is wild how much if you get if you get the air stirred up, suddenly like you don't need it to be 70 degrees or 72 degrees. You can let it go up a little bit because it still feels yeah. comfortable because the air is moving. It doesn't feel stuffy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the minute like that, that that breeze dies down, it's like, oh, I need this to be much cooler right now immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so well, and then it's and then it's and then all that's so much dependent on like how individual bodies react. Right. Like my wife's had two kids and her body from that perspective is like fucked. You know what I mean? Like everything is just so out of yeah. like it, it is a constant losing fight. I desperately I'm hoping we get our, our second car, which we're hopefully we're going to buy in the next couple of months that you can have different climate conditions for each person because ours don't really have that it's just sort of what it is and then you're adjusting the little fans because she wants it so much colder than i do where like i'm putting on a sweater to get into the car like you have the two kids i'm respecting your body by allowing me to become cold, but I really oh, want you a need car. Like a that three zone like, climate control, like one I for do. you, one for the one for the kids. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Go oh fuck God. the kids. Just the people in the front. Like the kids can deal, but like, yeah, that's where that's where we're at. Yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I, I'm with you. I am. I, um, I think the, the we're lucky that we're like MK and I are both similarly sensitive to the heat. Okay, but it is. Uh, but e- even there, it's like it, managing it is tough. I am several times more sensitive to the heat than my girlfriend. She gets so she gets cold so fast, and it takes me so long to cool down. Uh, when I like walk and like get home, uh, it's like a thirty minute walk. I do a thirty minute walk outside in like eighty five. Uh, once I get in, I have to have about ten minutes of just like removing clothes, sitting in front of an AC until my body is able to cool down enough for me to put clothes back on and become a person again. Because I just it, it can't it cannot lower. I can't lower. This it. is I can't the thing, get it any lower. This is the thing I found really insidious about the summer. There have been a lot of days where I walk out and I'm like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. This isn't too bad. It's not, the temperature's not too bad. It's kind of cool. This is nice. And I start walking. And the problem is that, like, nothing evaporates. The humidity is just high enough that, like, even as I'm walking, mm-hmm. it's not that bad temperature-wise, but, like, no effective cooling is happening. And so I get home and I'm like, oh, I'm just, like, drenched in sweat. Like, I just steadily overcooked over the course of <laughs> that walk. Are you familiar with wet bulb temp? Yeah. And we're all going to become familiar with that. Very soon. <laughs> that I, I remember I was talking with my, yeah, I was talking recently about wet bulb temp. People were like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, you'll know. Yeah, yeah. One, you'll one day you'll know. The, I'm a sweaty bitch. I gotta know. Yeah, but one day you'll know too. The the conditions under which yeah evaporative cooling ceases <laughs> to happen and it stops uh, you stop being effectively able to thermoregulate yourself at all uh, and cannot maintain a healthy body temperature. It's scary stuff um, <laughs> and becoming becoming more of a thing. Uh, anyway, like that is so that that's just like what what has been sort of. On my mind for a week now. I'm just like, what, what Rob's been playing? Rob, what are you playing this week? <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's let's talk video games. What you know? What what are some good games to play if you don't want to heat up your room? Uh, what, oh, what that's some, very very SEO friendly. Oh, that's yeah, that's that's true. Games that games that won't uh, ask much of your video card. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Actually, Ren, I'm I'm curious because you did you did drop a bunch of yep. games into the show notes here, uh, and I I am curious <laughs> if any of those fit that bill. Actually, they all do. Um, 
Uh, so I've been playing a couple of things recently. There's some, there's, the, there's embargo stuff, and then there's the other things I've been playing on the side. One of which is called Demon Lord Reincarnation, which is a. I'm gonna send y'all the Steam page for this because it's got a really good art style. Um, but is a throwback to like classic uh, dungeon crawlers, uh, and I mean like classic, classic dungeon crawlers, like wizardry and like, like, like early wizardry. Um. Basically, Mm. the whole idea is that you're going through this, like, dungeon with characters that are randomly generated uh, or semi-randomly generated. Uh, The game does not have a map in-game. It requires you to make an either, like, uh, separate map in something like, you know, Grid Cartographer uh, or hand-draw a map, which is... Where's my notebook? Uh, what well i i won't get it but what i was doing uh the game also comes with a manual pdf that the game makes very clear when you purchase it it goes please fucking read the manual please i'm begging you read the manual and every single time you see a negative review in uh the game's like steam page uh the first comment is did you read the manual and the first reply is no i did not um and so all of the skills, uh, similarly, there's no descriptions in game. You have to like figure out what the skills do by playing and like making little notes and being like, this is what this skill does. Um, the game doesn't have like traditional leveling up or anything. And the idea is that you're going through a traditional dungeon over and over and over and over and over again until you get strong enough and you have characters who are able to survive enough fights to get strong enough to go and fight the demon lord. Um, with the note being that like every time a character dies, it doesn't matter because like the base level of characters that you recruit after that get higher. So there's no like, even if you have a full party wipe against like a group of enemies and like a dungeon crawler, it's not like you're losing everything. You're just losing that group of people uh, and then getting new people back with like new stats. Uh, and then from that point forward, you have to like raise them up again. Um, and it's a, it's a big like risk management game effectively of like, how far can I go in this dungeon before I have to go back and like, actually heal um what character like what spells should i use in this situation that will like get me the maximum return on investment because if i don't if you don't use the right spell or like right skill against the right right enemy you're you can have a full party wipe if you're not careful um but there's still this like steady march of progress and i think it's really neat um it's like an interesting formal experiment uh is 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 how i would describe it and that it's like nine bucks uh, sorry, it's eight bucks. Um, and it's just like, if you're looking for like an experiment and like how to strip down a dungeon crawler almost as far down as you can get, uh, I would say that Demon Lord Reincarnation is, is a good pick. Um, the other one of those that's like, uh, a before, very before you move on, mm-hmm. Please, uh, is yeah. that, uh, I don't have a ton of familiarity with like this style, like wizardry sort of style of dungeon crawler, which is obviously yeah. like some of the stuff this is harkening back to, but it, obviously those games are notoriously, difficult um that's like sort of the genre appeal but is the lack of basic information about how uh a spell works is that common to the genre or is that something specific to what's happening in this one it's a step further right it's it's a it's a step beyond like the standard level of like information um obfuscation uh, because the other thing that's worth noting is that, like, your char- you're not choosing what skills you learn. Your characters are learning them on the fly. Uh, your choice is, like, what skills you're developing by using. Because it's one of those games where, like, every time you use a skill, it gets a little bit stronger. Or it, like, is ticking up. That's how, like, the progress system works, is choosing what skills to actually develop on a given character. Um, and so... 
the idea is that like you're given things that you can't choose and it's like how do i make this work right how do i build this like you know for example if you get like a mage uh and you're like oh my mage keeps getting a bunch of strength um <coughs> like stat boosts after fights I wonder if I can just hit things really hard with their staff and like have them start to fill like a bit more of like a bruiser role in addition to like doing magic, um, for example. And so like it's less you're making decisions about how you want the characters, uh, what you want them to have and more like what you want them to use uh, and what like you want to develop over time, uh, which is, I think, a little bit unique. Um, I think it's I think it's a, a, a cool system. It does. It does um, look terrific. And I love the. I was uh, the way you move through the dungeons here. The 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 style they've got for that looks in, looks yeah. incredible. Because mm-hmm. it's like we've seen a lot of uh, reinterpretations of that that like the the pixelated style and the way those dungeon crawlers looked. This is actually one of the like I, I feel like there's it's rare I see something that, like that feels like there's anything new under that sun. Uh, mm-hmm. this, this looks terrific and is like a, a really interesting approach going with that, like monochromatic style, mm-hmm. but also very much like a, a almost like hand-drawn, uh, a- aesthetic, uh, that is, that is still distinctive, I think from some like the character art. It's yeah. Which the character art actually comes from a different place. Uh, the character art is, uh, was created by, mm. uh, I'll have to find it, but there's basically, this was taken from someone else's art repository. That was, they were like, yeah, you, anyone okay. can use this for whatever they want. Uh, and the dude was like, the, it starts with this art. And the guy was like, okay, let me work backwards from there. And like, how do I make a visual style, like a 3d visual style that, uh, is in conversation with like this specific, uh, character art style, which I think is like a a, a pretty cool thing, um, and it's, also like the dungeon design is like pretty good. Um, it's a big labyrinth. Like, I've only gotten through like parts of the first like major floor, and it's a big labyrinth that requires a lot of mapping. Um, I'm not totally sold on how the combat comes together, but I thought it was just such like a little oddity that I like had to put time into it. Um, cause I thought it was just like a fascinating, weird little game. Um, and that's what it's being pitched as too. Uh, it's, it is only charging eight bucks, uh, yeah. for this. And so is like kind of framing itself as like a couple steps above like a formal experiment. Um, I think it's, I think it's very neat. Yeah. That's, that's uh, put, it puts me, we'll talk about this. I think a little bit, uh, we're recording this episode tonight. Uh, you'll be hearing it next week. Uh, for those of you listening at home. But we're gonna be talking about System Shock, doing the doing the one on one on that, and you know one of the things that leaps out at me there is that's not that's not a dungeon crawler in that way. It auto maps. It's a you know it's a traditional shooter in a lot of those respects. Though the tradition comes to that lineage, though, really been right? established. I mean, like yeah, that's the thing. Yep, comes from Ultima. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like lo- yeah, looking more Spectre is Ultima Underground, right? Like that's the game he does before System Shock. Underworld, yeah. Um, Underworld, and yeah, like there's the the like that lineage is is tangible uh, in, in that game, and I think the way that uh, like labyrinthine arrangements are kind of a a a feature in this era, far from a bug, and it's I think one of the the most pro- like one of the most profound like sea changes uh that mm-hmm. that we have in the in the er- intervening years uh in terms of like how how you conceive of see of these games like what like what the role of getting lost is 
in a game mm-hmm. like this? Like to to what degree is that is is that a, an effect you're trying to achieve? Um, yep. And uh, yeah, I think games like this are, are are you know leaning hard into that, and they do inform a lot of those a lot of those early shooters. Yeah, not to not to burn too much of the System Shock show, but I was actually reading uh, an oral history of the first System Shock as as prep for that pod. Uh, and one of the things they were talking about was uh, that they wanted to make every floor of Citadel Station feel sprawling and dungeon esque. Right? How do you translate a dungeon into a space station uh, into into a sci fi setting? The answer is a space station. That is that is the dungeon equivalent. Right? It's broken up into floors. It has these themed objectives. You can put puzzles throughout. It, <coughs> it's just like a very very easy thing you can map the same like basic structure onto. Uh, and then creates like a playground with which you can like do like the physics stuff that like they wanted to do with with the first system shock. Um, and so it's been it's it's been really interesting to like go back and play this in addition to the other thing that I've been playing, which is a throwback to like 90s boomer shooters, specifically Quake, uh, but set in a uh, uh, I believe it's set in. Yes, it's set in uh, Czechoslovakia uh in the in 1986 um and so like has this like deeply it's like the soviet themed boomer shooter um that has like a lot of like very fun enemy designs and like cool horror shit um i can send y'all some screenshots right now um what's the 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 other thing h rot okay um here you go this is this is a example of of, we talked about this game before did we? I don't think, or something very similar that like the, well, the, the boomer shooter I'm, genre is thriving. No, it <laughs> yeah. was something Are very similar to this. Are you Mm-mm. thinking of dusk, Patrick? Mm-mm. Keep going, keep going. I'm trying. I'm trying to put it together. No, there's something very, very much like this. But keep, please continue. Uh, and I've just been like, that's been one of the things I've been plugging away at on my Steam Deck. Like in the evenings, if I'm like bored, I will like pop open my Steam Deck and be like, let me put like some time into this. Uh, and it was fine there. It was fine there. But I, I came home before today's pod and was like, you know what? Let me, let me test, test this game on my PC, uh, to like give it like the fairest shake possible. And like, it's a totally different fucking video game. Uh, one that I like much, much more, uh, and find like much more interesting and engaging. Um, which has been like a thing that I've come up against a lot recently is, is, is the limits of the, of, of the Steam Deck in terms of like what I can actually use it for because the reason i got it was because i spent a lot of time outside of my of quote unquote my apartment uh and so don't have access to my gaming pc and so i needed to have something on which i could play stuff for the podcast um and like do work on when i'm like not in my apartment um and so it's put me in this weird spot where there's there's all of these games that i think are probably way better than i am being able to give them like, I, I feel like I'm not being able to give, like, get a lot of games, like, the best shake right now. And I've been trying to, like, really couch the way that I approach them. And, like, HROD is, is an example of, like, oh, cool, I am right to be doing this, right? These games do really thrive in this, like, other, uh, on, on this other platform uh, in a way that, like, I, I kind of can't ignore as much as I want to. So you just kind of dropped into this, like beige concrete and uh brick expanse and just like here's a gun go to it yeah i mean the the game basically opens with you it starts with a one of the early areas is basically here i can read the the pitch from the uh 
Steam pages, you start in a civil defense shelter deep underneath a Prague metro station. As a proud holder of the military readiness badge, you know what your duty is. Put on a non-functioning gas mask, load the VZ-52 pistol, and protect the peace in your socialist homeland from the strange intruders. Um, the other thing to note is that all of the enemies in the game are constantly throwing up from radiation exposure. Um, Jesus. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, but it's like this like weird little... Um, a uh, horror boomer shooter that I uh, have been like plugging away at over time. I think like, oh man, I'm actually, I, you know what I need to go back to? Uh, Warhammer 40k yeah, bolt gun. Yeah, I, I mean to play that, yep. <laughs> uh, do we get, do we ever get code for that, Patrick? Because this, I look so good. In an so old good. email, maybe. No, we oh <laughs> shit! No, that's May twenty third. We wouldn't have. No. We wouldn't have. Had we we that did. We anymore. didn't though. I, I I remember seeing the the reviews come. Usually that stuff uh, funnels through me, and then um, but obviously Warhammer is not necessarily top of mind for me specifically. But then the reviews on that came out and were exceptionally positive. Um, yeah. even for because I feel like we've come out the other end to some degree of uh, much in the way that uh, games are sort of like pixel art like like there is throwback and then it is it is it is a drifting on sheer nostalgia uh, mm-hmm. and a mixture of good game but then eventually at some point that like subcategory becomes so saturated that yeah. it can no longer thrive on well it's kind of like that thing you used to play and i feel like the boomer shooter has gotten on the other side of that where it is no longer you can't just make something in the style of it it's actually right. there are so many good games that are thriving in there that, that nostalgia is not enough and that warhammer game i think i remember when i first saw it i was like oh well, it's probably gonna be one of those like is that the new thing where we're just gonna take a license throw it on a boomer shooter style and maybe that gets you far enough if you like the the aesthetic trappings on top of it but everything i'd heard about that was like no the aesthetic trappings are sick the voice acting is like fucking awesome uh and it's a tremendously fun game uh to play yeah, and and that is the thing about both Demon Lord Reincarnation and uh, Atrot is I think they're both good games. I think they're both like good and fun games, and also like go beyond just recreating an old style of play and like actually doing interesting stuff with it. Um, you know, Demon Lord Reincarnation in terms of stripping it down to like almost its barest elements and like making it be a genre explicitly about like making do with a bad situation. Uh, as opposed to like careful preparation, um, which which you know the genre like alternates between. In my experience, that is like there are two. There's two sides of the dungeon crawler coin. One is making the best of a bad situation, and the other is like you have to prepare your party properly, otherwise you're going to get absolutely fucking obliterated. Um, and so, uh, yeah. And then Hrod actually, the cool thing about it is that I believe it uses a custom engine too to like basically recreate the limitations of like old. Uh, yeah, the like Steam page engines. mentions it's like custom written in Pascal. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you- and like it looks great because of that. Uh, like the the kind of like graphical glitches that they're describing, and like the uh, uh, in that in that section is like they're actually like really help the horror uh, and like help the like game's aesthetic like come together. Um, I have enjoyed my time with it. So I am curious, like when you were playing on the Steam Deck, was just like the the sort of choppiness and framiness was like really detracting from it. That and also like it is hard to like play one of these games with a controller at times, mm, yeah, right? Like a lot of boomer shooters can some. It, it, I feel like there's like a, a pretty wide range. Like I feel like Doom you can play on a controller just fine because it wasn't built for mouse look. But like once you get to 
something like Quake, things get a little bit harder. Um, but I will say that, like, this game does not expect me to be super snappy, right? It's not asking me to, like, get headshots yeah. from across the map. It's asking you to, like, properly time the travel time of a rocket launcher uh as 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 like the 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 primary thing that you're doing and so like it's more about movement and managing enemies and like uh, when i was playing it on pc i was having a much easier time because i'm just better at aiming with a mouse yeah but it wasn't like oh this is completely unplayable uh it's just that it was much much harder i was able to like turn the difficulty up several notches and still be having an easier time than i was on steam deck um like I was playing on normal on Steam Deck and then on PCX, which I knocked up to very hard and was having the same level of difficulty, if not less, um, just because of like the the switch and controls. Um, although I will say that I have been starting to find a lot of luck with using the Steam Deck trackpad as opposed to the like traditional stick when I'm when I'm playing shooters mm. for like fine precision aiming. When I was back playing Remnant uh from the Ashes on my Steam Deck, I was using the the trackpad a huh. lot because it allows you for way, 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 way more precise aiming uh than the actual um sticks do. And then you can also like apply a custom response curve to the trackpad. So you can like really finely tune it so it's just right for like your specific way of aiming. Um and I was starting to get like get a handle on it uh, by by the end of my time with Remnant before I jumped over to Remnant Two, which I believe we will also be be chatting about since Kato, Patrick, and I uh, did play it on stream just the other day. Yeah, we can get into that uh, now. We can take a break if if y'all want. I'm I'm curious. Uh, do we feel this is a good stopping point? Yeah, might as well. All right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll 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 hit Remnant uh, after after the break. One of the most normal morning routines is a bowl, some milk, some cereal. What <laughs> changes as you get older is you might want to modify what you're putting into that bowl with the milk. If you suddenly want to cut back on sugar, you want to add more protein, you're thinking about fitness goals, but you don't want to give up the deliciousness of what you're putting in that bowl, you might want to think about Magic Spoon. Uh, because with Magic Spoon, you get all those flavors you love, high protein, less sugar, and as someone with kids, the idea that I can show them that these cereals can have all of these things and you can think about what's in your body every morning seems really good. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack of four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs. Only 140 calories a serving, it's high protein. Has zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. And look, you put peanut butter in anything, I'm there, which is why that's my favorite one and I'm hiding it from my children. You can go to magicspoon.com remap to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code remap at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com remap and use the code REMAP to save $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Hey, REMAP Radio listeners, Rob here. You know... 
the time was I'd come up with a meal plan for the entire week. And then I'd trawl through the grocery stores, making sure I had everything I needed right on budget to make those home-cooked meals. Unfortunately, times have changed, and speaking of time, I don't have quite as much of it as I used to. You know, there's a podcast empire to be overseen. But I can't just order fast food and pizza delivery every night. My budget, and unfortunately, my increasingly delicate stomach won't allow it. Fortunately for folks in the same boat as me, there's Factor. Factor gives you 35 options each week to make meal planning easy. And not just for dinner. They have breakfast foods and snacks covered as well. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. But it's just as convenient delivering the food you need right to your door. And now, if you head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off, that's right, that's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And now you can head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off. That's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And we're back. Uh, so as Ren alluded to before the break, y'all have been playing Remnant 2. And one of the, I've got a lot, a lot of my friends are playing this co-op. Uh, this has turned out to be apparently like the, the it co-op game of, of the summer, oddly enough. Uh, how, how did you find it? Uh, yeah, we did a stream where the three of us played together. Um, you know, we talked about it on the podcast. Exactly, Kato. Uh, we talked about it on the podcast last week. Uh, and... Ren uh, was playing the Handler, which is a class in Remnant 2 that has access to a dog that does some of the healing and attack stuff. Um, I was playing the Gunslinger, which is like uh, like you have a lot of like very gun-specific perks, like being able to like unload six rounds of a weapon. Yeah, we're all uh, familiar really with the Dark Tower mythos. <laughs> 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 the movie doesn't exist. Uh, and uh, ne- neither does book five and six, if we're getting to Take the one with anyway. Idris Elba? Um, yeah, look, we don't talk about it. Didn't happen. He couldn't um, save it. Not even interest. <laughs> no, 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 Damn. no. Damn. One day, I'm, one day, we'll just the saddest I've ever been in a movie theater was watching. Oh my god! Sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, I didn't mean to open up a portal to hell here. No, like you know, I'm I'm definitely one of those people that like adaptations don't work like uh, impact pre- like the original works, and that's t- true. If anything, it made me feel better about the original work, but like. You spend your whole life waiting for whatever the thing that means the most to you to be adapted and you're excited about it. And then for it to be just a complete piece of shit was uh, an unfortunate. Halfway through, my wife was like, do you want to leave? I was like, no, I need to see this to the end. Um, and then Kato, you picked, uh, I forget what the exact class was. just called the healer. Yeah. Okay, yeah. the healer. Um, and so they, like in, in Remnant 2, these are called archetypes. And you are not set with your archetype for your entire playthrough. There are also, as we were learning while we were playing, once you hit uh, like a certain level, you can start mixing and matching like the class version of this. There are secret classes that are like 
buried in the game under quests that are not things you're just going to come across. They're bits that like are hidden by the developers for players to discover. They're also just meant to like mix up your playthroughs as you're, as you're going further. And so one thing I, I was curious about experiencing when the three of us got together was how much of this game is, and you see this a lot with games that are pitch themselves a single player co-op. It's like, yeah, you can play them single player, but you're really meant to play them co-op. And so most of my experience so far has been playing with the two of you. And I, I will, and Ren, you have spent more time playing it solo. So this is maybe something that you can answer more than either of us can. But I did get the impression that this is a game that is probably enjoyable and fun by yourself. But really, if you can you should be playing this with multiple people. Here's what I'll say. What I'll say is I've been thinking about the moment we were on stream and Patrick, you and I got in an elevator going down (laughs) and then heard Kato complaining about us being in the elevator and not waiting for them (laughs) while they were halfway through, while they were halfway through climbing this tower. And like, Uh here's the thing. They would either, the time it would have taken them to climb up would have been enough that they could have gotten to the bottom in that time, the traditional way. Uh, and instead what happens is we're going down in the elevator and we pass Kato once and it's like, oh, there's Kato. Bye, Kato. <laughs> and then Kato passes us. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Patrick and I are like chatting in this elevator and then out through the caged doors we just see a character model go whoo and then we hear a thud Kato yells and we get down and there's just a highlighted corpse on the ground informing us that we have to go to the bonfire to get Kato back and like uh, I think that Remnant 2 is a fun game played solo I think that it is a funny game played with groups of people because suddenly you have Kato screaming, oh no, there's a Ripsaw guy before getting fucking obliterated by the aforementioned <laughs> well, Bloodborne the game, man. The, game, the, the difficulty yeah. is it has the, the uh, if you just look at Remnant um, without understanding what's happening underneath the hood, it has all of the trappings of a traditional sort of like third person action adventure game and like that is definitely what it is stylized after like games that like feel like remnant if you didn't know that it was like operating at a frequency off of from software looks like something you would have played on like the ps2 like oh remnant from the ashes like <laughs> here's you know that sort of thing and it definitely has that it's, it's like it is it is from that uh sort of like lineage of game and then is obviously doing something else that they but would this have. game is, is not br- brutal is the wrong word but it hits much harder than you expect. There were multiple times where, you know, we're cruising along as a crew of three, mowing down a bunch of enemies, like got all our powers bouncing off one another. I'm a character that doesn't have to use their healing slash Estus flask all that much because I have two characters that are doing healing bits so I can be more aggressive and I can save my you have to use your your healing bit in order to your SS flask equivalent in order to revive people. So I can just save that for revives and rely on the other folks healing me like on a moment to moment basis. Um, but then like, yeah, like you'll turn the corner and just like a big enemy is there and it hits you <laughs> like you've lost three fourths of your health. Yeah. Like the game, it can go it can turn on a dime in a. I would I would say actually almost comedic fashion, like the the, the speed at which it goes from like. 
we are cruising with a bunch of bullets to, oh no, two of us are on fire and the third one is like hiding around a corner frantically trying to make use of their power so they can come revive us is you lose that element. There's a like there's a bit of um caution to the wind in co-op that is really fun and enjoyable that is easy to imagine becoming just caution when you're playing it solo, which doesn't make it bad or worse. It's just different. Mm-hmm. It's balanced differently solo is what I'll say. Like I can I, I I could go to those areas we were at with those enemies and get hit and be mostly fine mm. uh, when I was playing solo. When I was playing solo, like an enemy could hit me a couple of times and I would be like hurt. I would be like very hurt if I took a bunch of hits. But when you're playing co-op, I was getting hit once and losing like a third of my health from like a yeah. standard enemy, not like a big boy. Mm. I'm talking a standard enemy would hit me once and I would be like heaving on the ground. Yeah. But I will say the combination of our abilities was like actually pretty cool to see because like my dog had an air, uh, had a heal over time. That was really good. And I kind of there was there were moments where I was started like switching into like a more of an off tanky role because every time my character heals, they get the mod power that lets them use their special weapon ability back. And so if I take a hit and then I start healing because of the dog, now I'm also getting mod power, which I'm also getting from fighting enemies, which I'm also getting from having a shield. We should, we should explain a little bit how this, the mod power... So I did not mm-hmm. even internalize exactly how the mod power worked having played a little bit of the game. But like when you yeah. fire a weapon... like So yeah. in a lot of games, like a grenade, let's say, is something you're picking up as a discrete item in the world that is in your inventory. Yeah. In Remnant... There's imagine like a meter that is on top of where your gun is displayed in the corner. And as you fire, that meter goes up and then mm-hmm. increase like so like if you had like you can get the equivalent of two grenades. Like we were getting a lot of the same because we were playing together. We were getting a lot of the same drops and then like and then inserting those those modifications into our our builds in different ways. Like, you know, one of them is is literally a like I swap over to a grenade that throws over, creates a pool of fire around an enemy. And when I use that, it goes from two to one. But I, I'm not waiting for a chest to open up and refill that. I can get that at a checkpoint, which is like, I don't know, every 20 to 25 minutes. Or you use that weapon enough in the uh in the thick of combat to then it, that fills up. And so right. the reason you want to like depending on your play style or preference, uh is 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 investing in there is a cooldown equivalent um but the cooldown is firing bullets and so i'm sure cooldown is the word i associate with but you know that that idea that you are firing your weapon to fill that up over time and that then plays into both what ren is talking about in terms of like how you're building up the character and how these things your different actions interact with one another and then also just like straight up what weapon you're using it's like look hey this weapon might not be a deal for the situation, but I really want the thing that's attached to it. And so I need to use that a couple of times so I can get access to this additional weapon that is kind of like a sub weapon on top of it. Right. I remember when I found a, a double barreled shotgun and I like completely changed how I played because my character is all about spending as much ammo as possible. Because if I empty my clip, I get a shield and that shield gives me a bunch of bonuses because of a bunch of other things I have equipped. And when I was using like a six shot revolver, that reload time is not like super quick. Uh, and it still takes six shots to empty a clip and trigger that shield effect. And so when I found the shotgun, I was like, oh, shit, this is bop, bop, reload. And so I was able to keep up that buff, that like shield buff that was giving me more mod power. I was able to keep it up indefinitely and like always having a little bit of shield. And so when I got hit by an enemy, then it was like it eats through the shield. But then I start healing because I empty my clip again and it just cycled like that. Um, But even with that, 
we were still getting our asses handed to us in some fights. Yeah, it was really, mm. it was it was it was really fun. I, I kind of did you enjoy being the healer? Like, what yeah. was your experience from? Okay. And they made a good job of like having you know they give they give you a couple options. There's a there's a the standard like all right the standard this AOE which we we opened on we were in my my world my game and uh, we opened into what is essentially a bloodborne world uh but for a lot of that there was actually a ton of fire on the ground so i feel like i was barely using my aoa a- aoe heal as much as i probably should have because i would put it down and then a fire bomb would land on top of me and i'd be like well not only that the but there was such a neat enemy type yeah. um that uh kato figured out how it works even if we didn't None of us really internalized and deployed the lessons of this observation, <laughs> but like you, you are in straight up Bloodborne. I mean, yes. the, the developers have been very upfront about the influence of of From Software's design, and I think this game earns much like a surge earns the right to like wear that as a badge of honor, as opposed to feeling like a, a copycat that's mm-hmm. just um, coasting off of uh, the popularity of a, a, a essentially a, a genre into of itself. Um, but you we get to the second area. And these enemies come at you. They look kind of like generic z- zombie-ish sort of whatever. They But they also look like they're pretty toasty. Like their skin, not looking great. And we kept running into problems because fire is devastating. It just rips through your health. And also the fire sticks around for a decent amount of time. You have to roll a couple of times in order to get it to come off of you. And you'll have like 12 enemies coming at you, like four from different directions. And as the moment you fired upon them, their skin bursts off. They they become flammable themselves. And if they get near you, they're 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 flaming you. Then you're flaming your friends. And it's it it gets really like intense yeah. and a really fun. Like it's aesthetically chaotic. It's mechanically chaotic. And the game rides a fun line between having to communicate with uh your 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 the, the people you're playing with. But it's not overly reliant on that. You definitely should, and it, it it's helpful. But you're not. Like if everyone's quiet and just doing their own thing for a couple of minutes, like you'll you'll be okay. It's not a game that is like entirely um, uh, sticking to that. <laughs> yeah, yes, vampire werewolf. Uh, <laughs> as Ren is posting one of the the enemies in the chat. Anyway, I kind of figured out. Hey, if you just swing your melee attack, yeah. which is not critical, but is a uh, is a a core option for you in the game. Um, because ammo conservation is a core concept of this game, yeah. and so melee is something you can always be relying on um, situationally uh, if you're out of ammunition. But also, Kato realized, if you just hit them, it doesn't burst them into flames. <laughs> and what we decided was to keep shooting them. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 it's fun because you'll you'll notice sometimes, I the reason I, I figured out the bit was because I happened upon a group of them as they were dousing themselves with the oil, which made me, made me think, like, wait a second. Okay, the reason they're bursting into flame is this fucking oil. Let's see what happens when I just whack them. And they went down quick yeah. when I whack them. You whack them, they go down in, like, two two, two or three melee hits. I could get a whole group. I also got a sick I have a sick-ass fucking... Melee. I have a yeah. You have a cool melee I have a weapon. Cool I got fucking a stick, melee. I've got a buddy. I got a. I got stick. a fucking uh, big ass. Um, uh, I guess it's technically a mace, but it's on the end of a chain. It's more of a flail. It's a flail, it's a flail I guess. Yeah. Um, but like I can just hold the melee button to spin it. Just fucking and anything that's in that circle is getting fucking getting fucking got. It's very good. Um, but yeah, it, it's. I feel like the the melee is like 
it does feel like you you really should be taking out as much as you can early on because like you were saying ammo is um uh scarce and more specifically it's also um universal to all like it's like drops we get all drops spread like item drops spread spread across mm-hmm. all of us but ammo is a specific drop in the world that we can all see and when one person picks it up that's it that person got that piece of ammo so like you have to you know we started kind of calling out like oh i need this type if anyone sees that type I can, let me pick that up but it definitely you felt, do you do run out yeah it is like, it is two i zero. cannot remember <laughs> the yeah the last time i have played a game of this type or even like even expanding out uh, from this specific type of game where just like ammo in general is not something you're like super conscious of in video games these days. It's just things drop. It's more about preference strategy of like weapon deployment. Ammo is not mm. quite the way of uh, like one up lives in like a Mario game where like they're there because of legacy. It's not that perfunctory, but I am genuinely shocked and, and, and pleasantly surprised that that there is a strategic layer yeah. to ammo use that is present is, is it takes on a little more strategic role in co-op because of that single pool of of items that are dropping um but was present when i was playing it single player as well where it's like i guess i'll just keep using this rifle and it's like oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i don't have any more rifle well. ammunition like better switch to, to my six shooter and that is that is unique to have ammo as a resource that you are it's not that you're always thinking about it, but it is like it is there. Mm. It is it is not completely pushed into the back of your head in the way that it is for a lot of games. It it is a resource that you are mindful of. They, and it's oh sorry, please. I was up. just gonna say, and I feel like they do a pretty good job of spreading out the like checkpoints and amount of encounters you have between checkpoints because it will your mm-hmm. your ammo does reload at the like bonfire equivalent. But there's all. It was always like just like a, a few fights before we were starting to run out, like right before we could get to the next the next uh, place where we might be able to refill. And it felt really, I think, almost always really like great to be like we we made it through. Here's the checkpoint. We can refill and keep moving on. Um, but it was never so long that it became frustrating or anything like that. You know, like it, it, they they struck a very good balance. I think. Um, and it's like, yeah, like you were saying that that thing about balancing weapons, but it includes the me- the melee is one of the things you have to be considering always as like, can I just whack these guys? Would it be better if I just whack these guys? Um, and a lot of the times the answer can be can be yes, because it, it's the fire guys. I noticed they the fire turning on also gives them higher defense, like even after they have the fire thing that makes sense i would i, yeah. I started to go whacking them because it's like oh it was quick to whack them before but no once they're on fire a i catch fire by whacking them and b it took like five swings instead of three um mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah the other thing that i would note here is that like it's not ammo conservation in like the survival horror sense right like mm. it, it didn't feel like we were wasting and it didn't feel like we were playing particularly like wastefully it's just like it's a con because but also like you don't think about it because you're always being hit with wave after wave after wave after wave of enemy and so like in those like big like long encounters it's like well of course i'm just going to keep shooting that's the kind of game this is it's like a wave shooter and then you hear the click and that's when it's like okay cool i guess i have to like really vary my strategy here or we are all fucked because like the minute one of us went down and the others were not like right there that person was gone yeah Uh, it's really hard to carve someone out once they're like piled upon by enemies 
Uh, um, I think we got we ended up getting pretty lucky. In the most part, we weren't falling down during. We we did we did lose a, a few times, but for the most part, we didn't have people falling down during those longer encounters where it would have been pretty devastating. <laughs> but uh, the the funny bits of like, oh shit, I f- I fell down a tower because <laughs> now you have to go back to the the bonfire, which is a few feet away. But it's still funny that you have to go back to pick me up because you shouldn't go with just the two people that are left. <laughs> this, so this sounds like so much fun as a co op experience that like, are y'all feeling like less motivated to play it single player having had this yes. experience? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Uh, aside, probably, but the reality is if I'm gonna play it like meaningfully i'll have to anyway but the but there is a world where like i'm playing this on my own but then like kato is what i consider like the co-op campaign where i'm like kind of doing my own because you can take all the stuff that you're doing with your character then bring that into other people's worlds and then whoever's the host the game will scale accordingly um so that you're you know having some sort of equalized uh uh experience but uh but yes i i i feel the pull as well that it sounds like all of us are that like it is meaningfully more fun, like as a as a, as a trio. I would love to stream it again. I, I had a I had a I had a very fun time. Yeah. We also made some important revelations about the people on this show, and uh, <laughs> our our Rob. Have you seen? You've watched what we do in the shadows, right? Uh, no. Like I've seen a couple ah. episodes, but I've huh. I don't watch it. God, we we realize that it maps pretty clean. Someone pointed out in the chat that it maps pretty cleanly. To the extended remap crew, which I find very <laughs> funny. Like, uh, Rob, how do you feel about Laszlo? Spirit animal? Well, which, let's... Which one's... Well, wh- which one's Laszlo? Matthew Barry? Matt Barry. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can see it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's a bit of Nandor energy there, just personally. Then, yeah, well, I, we, think we, I think we, yeah, we ended up settling on that, like, Rob, you oscillate between uh, a little bit of Laszlo and Nandor. And then we were trying to not uh, typecast Look, I mean... Kato as Guillermo. <laughs> yeah, and every then time people just... say that, I'm like, are people just profiling Kato? But then, no, like, well, I think they are, are and strong then, elements. And then, he, of... and then he immediately was just Thanks. being Guillermo, like it, like after we were like, no, that's not fair. Like Kato should be whatever I like character. To help people, <laughs> right? Exactly. That's the problem. Is that like there was a sequence where we're like we don't want Kato to be Guillermo. We don't. We don't want that to we be. We reject the case. this. We reject this. And then like a minute, a minute later, <laughs> a minute later, like something, something ridiculous happened, and we were like, Kato, will you heal us? Kata, Kata, <laughs> and I, at one point I just walked into a fire, turned around, <laughs> looked at Kata, and said, "Heels, please." Here, yeah. and I have them for you. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then Kadiermo scootled over and helped with our heels. Not to spoil where that show goes and where Guillermo's character arc goes in the first season, but also Kato having a near supernatural ability to kill enemies specifically in like the (laughs) Destiny style game, which I think Remnant does fall into, does have some real descendant of Van Helsing who happens to be preternaturally gifted at killing vampires energy. Like, the problem is that it's all there. It's It's all there is the issue. You don't even know. Wait till you get to season four. I know. know. It's a great show. Wonderful, wonderful show. Cannot recommend it more highly. Real real quick, I'm just curious. Uh, I don't really have a great answer for this. What are we saying in lieu of spirit animal these days? Uh, given like the appropriate vibes there, because like, because yes. there are people who are like you could, you know what, 
you say, what's your Patronus? Is this person your Patronus? <laughs> no, and that's fucking No, cool. no. Uh, not saying that. No. <laughs> Are we just going to have to go to the cumbersome? Which character do you most identify with you? Which Vibe which, commander. Which, which, yeah. Vibe, sorry? <laughs> kin, just say kin. You kin them. It's, that's mm. it. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Kindred spirits. No. We'll no, work on it. Cut out. The problem I have with Ken is that associates it with too many people who acted like Sherlock because they thought he was really cool. <laughs> I know oh, too many people who did God. that in high school. I'm sorry. That word's poisoned to me. Uh, yeah. Well, well, well. Let us let us know your thoughts on on, on how what, what we can slot. What can in we of. appropriate? What can we appropriate next before uh, yeah. we can't use that one? Um. Spin the wheel. Can we, can we, yeah, can we put it on a wheel? <laughs> well, well, wheel of appropriation. Wheel of appropriation. So, Patrick, I did want to check in on uh, you've been playing Viewfinder, which showed tremendously oh, during Games Fest. Mm-hmm. In reality, how is it? It's one of the best games this year. Um, Fuck yeah. Uh, Fuck. Fuck. Yeah, Viewfinder Fuck. Uh, yeah. is a. Puzzle game came out a, a, a week or two back on PS5 and PC. Uh, the short version of it, if you haven't seen the extraordinary trailer, though, I just would recommend watching the most recent trailer for it to get, like really see in practice how it works. Is that it's a puzzle game uh, where at its most basic, uh, you are in sort of like an a- abstract uh, world of like disconnected geometry and. That like have has a, a familiar like you'll see things are like tables and chairs and in rooms, but it all doesn't connect together exactly right. And then there are photographs in this world and you can take those photographs, hold them up in front of you and you can then tilt and uh, and alter them. You can't scale them. You can't scale them in the sense of like where you position your character will change where they are dropped into the world. But essentially you're taking photographs and then putting them, placing them into the world. So like in the most simplest of terms, if you have a gap in between two areas and there's a photograph of a bridge, you place the photograph uh, there and that quite literally places the geometry of a photograph of, of the bridge into the world that you can then cross. And on its most basic level, that is exactly what Viewfinder is. But what uh, I'm loath to say too much about because the surprises the game has in store both riffing on that basic concept and taking that concept and inverting it and stretching it in ways that you just you could not have anticipated based on um the the game would have been totally fine to do the traditional thing a, a lot of puzzle games will do is here's our hook uh or here's our gimmick and like we're just going to build increasingly more difficult and convoluted puzzles based on that and what's interesting about Viewfinder is I don't think it's going to scratch the itch that, uh, like, let's say you loved, look, people we don't love anymore, Jonathan Blow, problems. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I didn't particularly like The Witness, but by all, by like most estimations, an extraordinary uh, game, especially if you are into puzzle design, um, but also an extremely difficult game. It's very, like, taxing uh, on on the player and demands a lot of them in order to get from uh, uh, you know, from beginning to end. I would contrast that differently from a puzzle game like Portal, right? Portal is not a game where you are spending 15, 20 minutes going like, what the fuck do I 
do here. And you're spending a lot of time like intricately trying to figure out what's in front of me, looking at it from a different angle. Portal's like, it futz around with the puzzle a couple of different ways and like, aha, like I've moved on. Viewfinder is way more in that vein. It is, it was, it was rare that I was experiencing an enormous amount of friction from puzzle in front of me to solution executed. But that's not necessarily to imply that it was, it's like the solutions are immediately obvious or eat or like, uh, or, uh, too easy. It's more that the game is invested in the player feeling like having that aha moment over and over and over again. Um, and there are, there's a separate track of optional puzzles that I didn't really futz with, but my understanding is they're a little more difficult, but still don't necessarily rise to the level of difficulty. If you're like, I want this puzzle game to kick my ass. Like viewfinder doesn't really exist to do that. It is, it is really bending and stretching its core concept in ways to produce that aha moment over and over again. And as someone who has on this podcast many times expressed that I like puzzle games until I don't like them. And what was delightful about viewfinder was I never had that moment. The game was just, I am having a great time solving these every single time. And only one time did I refer to a walkthrough for a puzzle. And the reason I did it was because it was 1145 at night. I should have turned the goddamn game off and just checked it out in the morning because the solution was so blaringly obvious that the only answer to it was me being tired. Not that I could, I, I could have figured that out if I just given Instant myself an opportunity. Regret. <laughs> and it was, and I don't norm like the, the best experience to have with a walkthrough is, Oh, all right. Well, that did not even enter my, like my brain as a possible solution, which is often what's happening to me in puzzle games and why I am frequently looking at walkthroughs because I want to just, I want to keep the momentum going. And like, I have a certain level of challenge I'm looking for. And when the game goes past that, I'm just going to sidestep uh, around it. And, and here I just never encounter that. The only issue the game has is for, for whatever reason, it is otherwise a game where it is take your time, think through what's in front of you, be thoughtful. And then it's final sequence is this really goofy timed bit where it wants you to try and do them as fast as possible. If you dig into the accessibility options, my understanding is you can turn that stuff off. I wish I had known that before because, well, I know what they were going for, which is to try and take something that is very calm and inviting and then add an element of stress to it. Uh, it didn't really work yeah. for me. Um, and it felt counter to everything I had experienced before. The other thing that doesn't work for me in the game, it's easily ignorable, is pretty much the entire story. <laughs> there is this, does, there is this, well, there's this like real, uh, this is a more uh, modern uh, evolution of a puzzle game is it can't just be a puzzle game. It also has to have a story on top of it, mm -hmm. that these stories have to be part of something bigger that's happening. And they gave it a shot. And I know what they were going for. Pretty much none of it yeah. worked for me. Mm -hmm. um, but what's very nice is that it's all mostly ignorable you can just focus on the puzzles and the core part of the game is extraordinary um and there was a moment towards the very end where i could feel the end in sight but i turned the game off woke up the next morning and 
I was like, well, normally I would go downstairs to my desk at, at like 9.30-ish, like go through my emails, get into my normal rhythm of the day. And I said, no, I can see the end of that fucking game. I am going to do it. And so I like I split into time that I'm normally doing all sorts of other stuff and just felt the the pull and desire to see Viewfinder all the way to the end. Um, and so it comes, yeah, just, it's an extraordinary game. It's going to be one of my favorite games this year. Um, and I'll be curious if, any, if other folks try it and uh, can uh, speak to the, like the difficulty of the, of the optional stuff. And if that, you know, gets closer to uh, achieving the level of difficulty that people are looking for, but I just don't think that's this game's aim. And there are lots of puzzle games that are out there to provide that level of, of mental taxing, but it is so rare for me to find a puzzle game that feels like it doesn't make me feel stupid. It feels like I met, I feel like I met the game at its level. And like, that is like an incredibly satisfying place to be for a genre that often feels out of reach for me. Like I feel this game with strategy games a lot and it's not this genre's fault. Like, but it's just, it's why games like Fire Emblem Awakening or XCOM one and two hit so hard for me. Cause it's like, Oh, like I can find my way into this and not feel it as though the game is being not condescending. It's just like, it's just beyond me. And this game never was and, and really spoke to me and it's beautiful and it's lovely and it's, Always has a delightful surprise. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking awesome. That's really good to hear. Really, my really my worry was that, like, I could imagine a world where that game, as good as it looks, that, like, if the logic, like, you, you see how the puzzles come together in the trailers and you're like, wow, that seems so satisfying and fun. And my worry was that what if it's just they, they don't quite get the balance right and it's not as intuitive or, like, parsable as they hope and it ends up being, like, really frustrating instead of like exciting because uh, like puzzles are hard like dialing in that especially because people's preference for how hard they want to think about this stuff is really variable some people are like i just yes. want that portal experience and other people are like oh i love to stare at something for 90 minutes <laughs> and like yeah. and, and, and parse it out and, and sometimes i do too but uh yeah like i was i was really concerned that it seems like such an oddball that it would not be as fluid as it was in the trailer. Uh, and, it's, yeah. if, if anything, it, it it appears the designers have accounted for the fact that if it was trying to be completely parsable and fluid, that it would become frustrating for the player. And so frequently what is delightful about Viewfinder is, oh, well, that's not the solution I was going for, but it'll work because mm. the game breaks in really fascinating ways where you're, You'll line up a piece of a photo and you think you know how that's going to place based on what you think the depth is and how you've angled it. But in reality, it it doesn't place quite like you were expecting, but the game is really flexible. And so it's not that you're necessarily going to constantly find accidental solutions to problems, but it's not um, it's not hyper specific like it has like. As long as like frequently I would have the solution, but I didn't deploy it exactly how I hoped to. But the game's like, it's cool. Like the geometry will work itself out and like you'll be able to find your way up like a series of platforms where it's like you did it not as elegantly as you meant to. It doesn't look as cool as it will be in the trailers. But if anything, <laughs> that makes it like kind of more satisfying because it feels sort of rough drafty and, and the game is like really good at making sure the puzzles uh, uh, constantly have that level of flexibility. And there is just like, there is a moment 
later in this game that I didn't watch the trailers, so I'm sure this wasn't in the trailers. I hope it wasn't in the trailers because what they do with the world around you is so transcendently cool. Like it's like I set the controller down and was like, I don't know how they did that. Technically, I don't know what just happened. And then it happens over and over again in a series of worlds where if you played the game, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but is is one of the the coolest moments I've seen in a video game in in a long time. That is really heartening to hear. Uh, very exciting stuff. Also heartening to hear because I do enjoy bad things happening to uh, other bad things. Patrick, we don't we've we've gone a little long on on game stuff. There's a lot of good stuff to talk about, but I did want to check in on this news story about you know the future of news sites is AI and it not going well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Glorb. Oh, I think that's what that's what it is. Um, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Ren, do you have something to say? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm just excited about this because I. I have some other details about this exact style of uh, content generation. Yeah. So the the long and short of it is, uh, and I'm sure most people who listen to to, to Remap uh, Radio are familiar with because this kind of went far and wide. Um, in which uh, there is essentially sort of like a just a content farm uh, website called The Portal uh, that is using, we don't know for sure, but all all indications are that it is using AI to essentially scrape uh, subreddits uh, and then produce news articles based on those subreddits with uh, very little or perhaps no human interaction. And uh, the World of Warcraft uh, subreddit realized this was happening at The Portal and then wrote something about what they called Glorbo, which I believe was uh, pitched as a a boss uh, character in the game, which led to a news article on the portal called World of Warcraft players excited for Glorbo's introduction. Uh, (laughs) World of Warcraft players are thrilled about the introduction of Glorbo and er eagerly await its impact on the game, which was just a trap set by the subreddit in order to see, is this... If it's a human who is just being tasked with producing 40 articles a day uh, and cannot possibly think about what they're doing except copying and pasting things from a subreddit, or more likely, is this an AI that is just grabbing little pieces of context and, and, and like inserting them into a, a broader sort of like news framework? Uh, and and that article just like went out the door. And then I believe as a result of that, the same website ended up writing an article about players responding to like it, it, there was an article about the players inserting a fake enemy <laughs> into the game and how players were excited about tricking an AI like the AI was writing about itself because it had like the snake had fully had fully turned uh and it's it's funny it's also terrifying as a writer Ren I I know you you said you had some uh some thoughts on this and this this is also nothing new though uh, this has been like standard or semi-standard practice in guides writing for a minute. Um, I, I like when I was at uh, Fanbyte, this was like, you know, we, we talked about this at times. There's so much content scraping going on that like they would legitimately put trap lines like this in stuff uh, to see if it was getting scraped. And it was, um, you know, well, it's not just scraping. Like when I, yeah, when I, I did a couple of pieces at Waypoint that were about like how the foundation of so many games websites that you enjoy are the the guides writing that is is delivering a lot of that huge traffic it's it's scraping and also like straight straight up plagiarism right no, no, so like sometimes I know. It's, yeah sorry the, the thing i was gonna say is like it's this is also like a an old strategy in uh uh cartography 
uh, was the development of paper towns. If you were making a map, uh, you could basically what would happen was if you were making a map of like a, a new area or like trying to produce like a bespoke map that you wanted to sell to people, you would include uh, fake places in it called quite literally paper towns or phantom settlements that would be designed as copyright traps where you could basically be like, OK, you obviously stole the map design because this was not included in the underlying database because maps are considered a knowledge good. And so you can like you can't copyright the data upon which the map is based, but you can how sometimes, but you can, however, copyright the design. And so one of the things you can do to like basically create a copyright trap for maps is to create a phantom town and be like, ha, you use the you use the map and not the data here. Uh, because it's just easier to scrape and replicate visual data than it is to actually like reproduce the database in that way. Um, but yeah, this has been like practice within guides writing for a minute uh, is the repurposing of this stuff. Because I remember there, and when I was at Fanbyte, people would just be like, ah, here's another one and just post some random website that had um, scraped and like algorithmically like re like plagiarized their article uh, and then just reposted it with like slight variations. And they would like, this was, it was like, it eventually became like a fun little game to see how many websites were doing this um, and like to see how many you could catch. Um, right. And, and that makes sense for a lot of guides writing, given that like guides is, you know, you extracting or, uh, you know, sort of uh, playing a game to provide information on sort of like static information that is like exists with the game that's been released. And I think the thing we've been trying to figure out going forward is, is is news next is basic news writing about to be sort of like the next thing on the chopping block in terms of uh hey if we're just like a basic news story do you need a human to do that and and if you if you lose the human what do you lose in the process well you lose context right <laughs> you lose like basic ability to realize that you are being fucking pranked um in in that process um and yeah, I, that that's certainly I, this is a very this like this is a very funny story, but I don't know that anything about this necessarily is going to stop any media company from from moving forward, especially when you have, you know, reports. I, I believe it was Google saying that they have privately met with places like The Times and The Post um, with like, no, 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 this is meant for this. We're working on a news focused algorithm or AI that is about for like research uh, purposes. And look, like there is absolutely a work like. The idea of having a box that you can ask questions to that could give you context to things like, sure, absolutely could see how that could be a resource. That doesn't say like every time technology tech companies have come forward and say to a news a media organization and said, hey, we're here to help. That has never worked out in the last 20 years. They have always just come to consume. And I, I don't like the idea that you'd be meeting with Google um, well, if anything, that's because these news sites are becoming tech companies, right? Mm -hmm. Um, like, and so like the techification of everything, including news, like th that, you know, it makes sense that they would move in that direction as well. I mean, if it eliminates humans in the process. It also doesn't help that the current business model is like, it's not a zero sum game, but like the problem is that the media industry, like you can, once something takes the top spot on Google search results, it's probably gonna hold it for a while. And so it's really hard to like claw back that traffic. And so what you have is a ton of, and this is again, a problem with cartography uh, as, as an industry, is a ton of wasted labor. Because what happens is you have a bunch of people trying to be the fastest person to get to the pay dirt. And then the other people who did that work, half the time that labor ends up like not paying out as much as it should because someone else already beat you to it. 
Uh, and this is the same problem with news writing, right? Uh, and this, this, this is a problem with knowledge goods broadly, is that they have this problem where unless you have like a very specific like stylistic thing, you can't actually copyright the knowledge. And so it's like hell from a business standpoint to have like good long-term investments. This is why um, like tr- like traditional business strategies don't really work in media uh, is because like knowledge goods like function differently uh, in the economy. Um, and this is just like another instance of that uh growing I, the best thing i could hope to come from this situation would be uh this somehow being like included in an ftc suit regarding like the use of these programs because like there's that F- on didn't the ftc just start a suit against uh chat gpt in terms of like causing consumer harm um yes they, yeah I, I don't know the specifics of but yes they they they, ha- they they are investigating um to some degree I would love to see Gorbo come up in a in a uh, in a trial. I would love to I would love to watch a lawyer explain Gorbo um, to a judge uh, and hope to God that would actually make sense. And that is also kind of the problem with situations like this is that, you know, the the technical side of like the legal shit is so dense that you have like judiciaries and lawmakers like not really being able to parse what's going on because they're also used to working with different forms of copyright uh than than specifically like knowledge goods like this uh before we go here we should just take a little dip into the question bucket and uh you know check out check out what's come in uh so let's see here we have a lot of a lot of, lot of emails with with kitchen ideas Interesting. Excellent. Thank you, folks. <laughs> keep keep sending them in. I love seeing I I love seeing people's uh kitchen remodels. Uh but this is the one I was I was, I was scanning for. Uh so Brian writes Dearest Remap Radio, the question from episode six about nostalgia and video stores brought me back to when I worked behind the counter of a local video store and I wanted to share my experience. A satin pink sheet between horror and drama and across from musicals hid the adult section. No sign, no warning, just the unspoken barrier between innocence and the smell described to me as musty sin. The concept was always so unworldly. I wasn't slinging VHS in the 80s. This was 2004. I wouldn't judge people for wanting that kind of entertainment, but why would someone go into this room when the internet had a plentiful bounty? I wasn't even old enough to rent any of it, but it was still part of my job to restock and do inventory. I resent that section because it made the worst part of my job a nightmare. Cold calling people about late fees. Most calls were a simple, excuse me, ma'am, but you still owe us $14 for returning Mamma Mia and the Matrix Reloaded late. But when you had to make the call asking for over $100 of late fees... For titles filled with filthy puns and flimsy portmanteaus, my anxiety would leave me in a cold sweat. Late fees were also something I would have to bring up with customers trying to rent any movie. How do I explain to a man in front of his daughters that he can't rent Shrek 2 when he still (laughs) owes us money for the Edward Penis Hands trilogy? As stressful as the section was, it kept the store open longer than the blockbuster across the street and only closed once Netflix moved from mailing DVDs to streaming. May your entertainment be as nasty as you want it. Brian from Burlington. Yes, Rob, the one with the mall. That never occurred to me that someone would have to have those conversations. 
I'm telling you, I'm yeah, letting that man that, rent Shrek too. <laughs> me personally, yes. Don't want. I, yeah, I wonder. I wonder what like the management breathing down your neck is on something like that. It's like, hey, yeah, like, like how much? Like, I would be curious what the, pro, like the, how much money is coming in mm-hmm. from that section relative to the rest of the video store, right? Because that would influence. How aggressive do we need to be about this rental of Shrek? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. look, I'm sorry. Shrek's getting rented, but you know what's really getting rented is the second in the three-part series <laughs> about Edward Penis Hands. Um, and so oh my God. Uh, that that is definitely a real one. I definitely remember seeing that box. That is that's not that is not that is not a made-up one either. Um and so I if if this person could write back in, if you have any understanding of the financials, because I feel like that would be obviously the pre- like the ubiquitous nature of those being present in, and that was the 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 thin veil between the two was one hundred percent. The family video by us was exact. It was just a curtain, and I think as we discussed in that in that podcast where the question came up was. It was a, you know, you were always trying to peek behind there when nobody was was looking. They, th- that said, they did have a mirror. Like, they had one of the mirrors in the corner that could be seen by the person at yeah. the front counter. The, mm. It clearly existed only to see if some, like, shitty 11-year-olds were trying to peek in uh, to see what was behind there. Um, and, I, yeah, I want to know the fine. I mean, porn dries everything, right? So right. it would not shock me if porn was doing a disproportionate amount of like revenue pushing at these mom and pop video stores. Um, but I want to know the breakdown. I, mean, I want to know if they could actually the Excel spreadsheet, if they actually ever collected on those late fees, I'm sure it's doing a shit ton. Cause I, I can also see that being a high driver in that section of people. And just like not wanting to take, like take things back. <laughs> I mean, it does. I, I, I get part, part of what I don't, um, fully grasp about this question is like, there's a way that you could do some implication. Right, like right. hey, like yeah, also, you know, late you fees, your buddy. Too, but like see some late fees. You know, we're gonna have to. That's the other you know, thing too. Is like you won't be able to get Shrek three right. if you don't if you don't bring back that other that film. You yeah. know that that film next time. So I feel like a little bit of this is anxiety over just the fact that you're well, like adults have sexual lives too, my friend. I mean, and and there the options back then little limited. You couldn't go to X dot com. In order to get whatever you wanted <laughs> oh back God. then, um, uh, no X videos uh, back then, um, and so you know who knows what mom and dad are getting up to. Maybe uh, Edward Penis Hands is. So I, I think there's there a way to bring a, that up. There was a there was a moment near the tail end of these stores existing where like it crossed over with the like spread of you know internet, uh, not internet, but um. Uh, uh, computerized databases for these things where I wonder mm-hmm. whether or not it's like, oh, they couldn't even rent it if they wanted to. Like, the, the he's just locked out of the system until he pays this fee, right? Like, the, the machine will What's not... What's the cap on that? Yeah, yeah I right? don't know. Like, um... <laughs> like, I feel like when you get into the hundreds on a late fee, that's the other thing that's like, seems, at that point, it's just like, what's what does the video cost? That's where they should fucking cap it, right? <laughs> Just well, like, okay. But this is me pulling out of the t- like I at some point I feel like I read this in our but like I think buying pornographic tapes was like prohibitively expensive. Mm, like that's why that's you were why, renting them. Right, right, right. Was right. because there there was no like VHS tapes started like the reason you rented them was because the movie studios were 
selling them at, I'm just, again, pulling in, like, let's say $100 a pop, right? Like, you could buy one, but oh, who's remember, buying Alien yeah. for $100, right? So that's why you were renting it from a video store, because they were able to bring down the price over time or buy it in bulk. And I just don't think there's, I, I think porn probably stayed at that rate, I think right? it was, like, so all sorts like, of, all, all sorts of things on V, like, anime used to come two episodes of VHS and be, like, a hundred fucking dollars or some shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Please write in. Yeah. There's got to be people that know more of the economics here. Like, I want some follow-up next week. Yeah. Please and thank you. Uh, Elliot from Minneapolis writes, Congratulations on a month of Remap Radio. I'm so happy y'all made something great in the wake of Vice's massive fuck-up. Last week, I entered into the Holy <laughs> Church of Kirkland and got a Costco membership. I wow. signed up mostly for practical reasons, saving money, buying bulk shelf-stable goods like paper towels or various snacks, but... Yes, part of the reason I signed up is Patrick's exuberance for their products. However, mm-hmm. walking their enormous aisles, I find myself overwhelmed with so many products to devote myself to trying in four-pound increments. I could use a few <laughs> recommendations to tell you a little about myself. I've got a sweet tooth. I'm mm. not a picky eater, and I aspire to be a better cook or at least eat out less often. What should I pick up at Costco? Any standout products everyone should try? Hmm. The sweet tooth I can't help you with. I don't have one. Mm. I I like candy or dessert if it's in front of me, but I don't seek it out. Um, my sweet tooth is is a beer uh, uh, as opposed to anything like that. So I haven't spent a lot of time. They do have a lot of prepackaged. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, they they have like a, a section where they make that stuff in house. Uh, not to mention a lot of the big bags of of candy and other equivalents. They have like a bakery. Um, I spend a lot of time. Um, so my wife's an excellent cook and I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm pretty decent at making like some of my own like lunches and things like that. But especially when I'm pressed for time, I am always looking and I hate ordering out. Right. So I'm not, I'm not going to rack up like Grubhub fees, like having, like having that stuff show up. So I'm looking for the cost efficiencies and like, how can I do that with time efficiencies? And I will say like Costco in their freezer aisle has like some surprisingly great like quick to make uh lunch uh options. Um like there is one that are these okay. They call them ramen bowls. Let's be let's be let's calm down. Mm. Like let's about mm. like what comparisons we're making. But it is like a nice bowl of like soup and noodles and chicken and veggies that I poke a hole in and I put in for four <laughs> minutes with a little bit of water and I pair that with a side salad and that's a full meal. And so the, the, that aisle, those options, like I am constantly rotating between those in terms of um, and I especially like that at breakfast because breakfast uh, between getting the kids out, walking the dog, getting my day started. I do not have time to like sit and make eggs and things like that. It's rare eggs. that I have that extra time. And eggs. so <laughs> uh, so there's some of their breakfast stuff like they had there is one. I don't have the, the box in front of me um, uh, right into me and I can. I, I can I can look it up later, but like they they have these like totally good breakfast burritos. It has some turkey sausage and eggs, and you just Ooh, you can yeah. eat them up in a toaster oven or an oven or just in a microwave. They're better in the toaster oven or the oven, but the microwave will, will do. And those are awesome because it's like a pretty it's not a full meal, but it like it stops me being hungry at like nine fifteen when I'm trying to get down to to my desk. So that is my recommendation um, is to to play around in in that aisle because you get a bunch of them. And like the per meal cost is is excellent. So do you do you ever fuck with the cream puffs? 
I have not. They had they have these big old boxes of cream puffs. Um, they're great. They're fucking delicious. You just leave those in the freezer, pop one out as a nice little treat. Man, it's Ooh, so right. good. And also, um, if you if you like, um, like making yourself like a breakfast sandwich, but you 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 can't imagine doing it every day. They have some good frozen ones, but also like for a second there. When my in my childhood, we were we got really into their croissants, which are Ooh. they're 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 interesting, you know. Like, uh huh. What I want to like, hear about <laughs> croissant. I I I I know them no longer as real croissants. Knowing having had real croissants after my youth, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. They're an interesting bread that is still flaky. It's just like it's 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 off in like a way that is not unappetizing. Is this like a Taco Bell situation? Like almost, it's, almost. It's like, like we know it's not. Uh, really, we call this Mexican food. You know what I yeah. mean? But like it's just Taco Bell. It's fine. It's it's, it's a similar form. It's like, but in terms of, <laughs> it's it's like the weird shelf stable thing. Almost. It's like this shouldn't uh-huh. be this texture, like a day after it's been baked. But it it is, and it's soft still. It's not, it like it loses a little bit of the crunch. But if you toast them up, they toast up really nice. If you like croissants, yeah, it's got to give it a little bit of a, yeah. And you think you would eat one every day? Get the twelve pack for the week, uh, and they and you should be able yeah. to get through them, right? Uh, they're big too. They're like, uh, oh, I mean that's by default. It's like Kato. almost like a six uh, inch we've... radius there. <laughs> <laughs> like you could make a sandwich the, on the... one easy. Uh, and they're, the, uh, um, I think, delicious, if not quite what you would expect a croissant is if you've had croissants well, that, before. I mean, that's, that, that's what I was saying about the ramen thing, too, yeah, right? Yeah, like, there's exactly. a lot of things that are adjacent. in that same wheelhouse that are kind of adjacent. But it's like, oh, it's good, and they're calling it this. Yeah. I don't know that I'd go not really. that far. Like, there's, like a, there's, a, there's a noodle bowl that I also get from there that has, like, they're just okay noodles, but it's got some veggies in it. And you put some soy sauce and especially if you just like some ground turkey mm. or like whatever, whatever leftover, like I could just throw it in there and mix it up. Yeah. And like it's an awesome meal. They have a frozen salmon packs that are like surprisingly yes. good. And it's like we they come in like 12. From they there, cost was weird, a weird thing. Yes. Weird place to get fish. It feels like. But it's it's good. It was good fish. As far as we well, can tell. It's, it's like and we never well, like, had any there, problems. There, <laughs> there are times where like when I want like. A nice salmon meal. That's not what I'm using this for. Sure. But it's like they're frozen salmons, like that you take them out, like they unthaw, like I'll take it out in the morning. It'll unthaw by lunchtime. And like I put that, I like, I glaze that up, put it in a salad, and it's like, ooh, like delicious. Mm-hmm. Going to Salmon Town. Going to Salmon Town. <laughs> Patrick. Yeah. How do you feel about the Kirkland signature toilet paper? Um, I'm pretty sure we do we I don't know. I mean we buy our toilet paper from there. I don't it's probably Not Kirkland. Kirkland brand. Can can I don't know. Can toilet paper Kirkland? Uh has anyone has anyone I else mean, the, the thing is seen the- we're not like when you go to Costco, most of the time Kirkland is the cheapest brand. Mm-hmm. It is not always the cheapest brand. So I think usually what guides us there is just what happens to be on mm-hmm. on sale that. So I mean I'm happy to wipe my ass with Kirkland, but um not necessarily exclusively. I'm I'm always looking. I will say this. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, Kato, please. Oh no, you continue. I was just about to talk about a, a, a intense controversy I found on on the Costco website. Oh shit. 
Mine yeah, was mine was are, just a silly mention of a, a a a series that is on TikTok called Can It Kirkland, where people blind taste test Kirkland alcohol versus name yeah. brand alcohol to see if they and, can and tell it, the it difference. Holds up really well. Holds it's, up really well. It, it can be surprising sometimes. <laughs> of like, oh, that's the <laughs> one that you can't tell the difference. Okay. Hey, whenever we get around to like being in person again, yeah, we should do that with Rob. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> oh my god. Can it Kirk- have- How good would that be? Yeah. How good would yeah. that be? <laughs> oh. So Ren, uh, Ren tell me of the tell yeah, me controversy. Of the TP uh, controversy. This is not about toilet paper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is about the cat's toilet paper litter. <laughs> there is one brand of litter mm. available on the Costco website because I was looking because I need to get litter today, and I was like, I can't go to Costco today because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm not a member. But will Costco be the home for my litter going forward? And apparently, as of two months ago, they changed the formula in the only litter they have available. The Scoopway Complete Performance Plus set at cat litter 42 pounds. 42 pounds. And the reviews are not kind. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Let me let me try and. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm seeing the word mud a lot no. in these reviews. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I'm seeing the word mud frequently. I'm seeing the word here. Let me just read these uh, eight words: dusty, stinky, turns to sludge immediately. <laughs> Uh, sludge is I don't know cat. Oh, that's not like you no. Sludge is not the word you want associated <laughs> with that part of the um, not. part of the process. Um uh, I'm still so that's, fucking reeling from the Trader Joe's kitty letter going away. Does it did anyone else have a, a a dear friend of theirs who was onto this shit? They had this amazing pine litter. It was spectacular. Pine? Yeah, it was made from wood, so like it had less bad shit that it would like dust up, but like it also was worked better than any clay that we ever got. We just like got fully pine pilled off the TJ stuff because it was also <laughs> it was also three dollars a bag, three dollars wow. for like easily two. How often are you buying it? Like two weeks. Right? Okay. Like wow, yeah, three dollars yeah. for two. Go fuck yourself. It was amazing, and they. Discontinued it. Discontinued unceremoniously. Just one day I bought a bag. One week I bought a bag. The next week I came back. Next two weeks later I came back to get the same bag and the, the, the label was gone. They're like, oh yeah, we discontinued that ages ago. I was like, no, you didn't. I bought one two weeks ago. That's not ages ago. What are you talking about? It's like, oh yeah, we had leftover stock, but like they stopped making it like six months ago. Oh. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> This is so and I've, I've 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 tried to go to other pine litters and I don't know what it is. Maybe it was like like the the size of the pellets is different and it's just they don't work none of the other ones work as well the trader joe's formulation was was special and i don't know i need to find because trader joe's does this often with most of their like brand named products are repackages of other things i cannot find which one this one was a repackage of or if it was a repackage at all i Mm -hmm. i want it deeply if, if you know, if you know, about Trader this. Joe's whittling, whittling away, <laughs> making out, yeah. out in the cabin. Oh God! I mean, it oh, would not surprise God. me. So it was wood based. 
Yeah, pine. Like, I mean, the wood market pellets. changed drastically in the last few years. Like, right. this is related to like sure. skyrocketing construction costs. So it would not surprise mm. me if like the product became unviable um, yeah. to continue I mean, it was producing. Pretty fucking cheap. <laughs> so like, yeah, well, that's the Trader uh, Joe's. I I would have wish I would just raise the price a bit if that's what needs to happen. I just need that. I need the pellets. We've got Una not a big pisser. Yeah, she's a big pisser. My cat's also a big pisser. <laughs> Rumi's a huge pisser. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the last thing I'll mention for the, this person who's become uh, Costco curious um, is that uh, we recently this this was part of a like uh, a family figuring out the finances when things look were looking pretty dire <laughs> in uh, late April early May. Aldi. Man, you got an Aldi near you? Oh my god, I was an I grew up in an Aldi home. Yeah. I um, fuck so my, with Aldi. Oh, it's so, so my good. Ma- so uh mm, I don't want to say uh, there are some personal hang-ups with Aldi based on uh the way some people in my life uh, grew up and so we kind of avoided the store cuz it had some bad memories associated with it, but then uh, we reevaluated our relationship with Aldi as a result of all this, and Aldi is sick. <laughs> and has like, uh, it's just incredibly cheap. Uh, and has has lots of good stuff. And uh, you're gonna walk in and be like, this is a weird looking grocery store. But like, don't let the plus you can order it online. Costco also delivers. That's a transformative yeah. experience. Oh, I barely go to Costco anymore. No, you go to Costco to figure out what you want. No, and then they just bring it to you. You go to Costco yeah. to eat all the free things and then gorge yourself on a shitty pizza and or a chicken bake. The chicken bake is so good. You have to go in person. <laughs> also, I, I in my darkest times, I would get like the Aldi chunky salsa because that shit's so good uh and i would just eat a whole fucking like container of that in like two sittings on like my darkest eve i would take my sleep meds and my sleep meds reduce my impulse control to nothing and then i would get hungry because i don't eat enough uh and so then like <laughs> haze wren would walk to the fridge and be like mm, all the chunky salsa all of it rum 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 and then i would pass out with like chips strewn all over the kitchen table <laughs> Oh my god! Um, Just north of the border from of- me, it's that's Aldi country. <laughs> <laughs> Goofy. Kind of on the tra- and TraderJoe'sReviews dot com yeah. is just full of ups. Either this is you under a bunch of other no, alt accounts, it was real. It was real shit. Ju- I know, it was I know, so I know, good. I know. I, it was. I, I'm with the you. Shit. And it start starting in like early October of last year is just a bunch of people fucking furious oh. that this has disappeared yeah i was just, trying to find an explanation if there'd been anything written because the people who are upset are not just a little upset yeah. they're extremely upset so i was trying to find some sort of article that it if there was any validity to rob's God. totally credible theory about it being related to like rising uh wood costs but i i cannot i cannot figure it out but hopefully we're going to find out about the economics of porn at video stores in the 80s and 90s um, and then also what happened to this kitty litter? We're going to, we're going to get to the bottom. <laughs> we need to know. Patrick, I want to be clear. These aren't reviews. These are laments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading these. These are laments. These are whales. This is, this is, this is tough. Oh, I'm so sorry, Lynn. Cat loved the pine litter. No dust. Good smell. Very reasonable price. Where can we get it again in Glen Ellen, Illinois? I'm sorry, Lynn. You can't. You can't get it again. <laughs> it's gone. 
<laughs> it's gone, only, <laughs> only pine litter my cat allows. No duster odor at all. It's, it was amazing. It was amazing! It was literally the best shit ever! So, man, I feel so... The, the thing that I am coming to grips with is just all the... Um, we don't have a lot of storage here and we went overboard on storage during like the early phases of the pandemic. And that has just been, that has been a backfiring decision. So like all the advantage of Costco, I'm realizing like doesn't really fit the way I need to sort of run life. Uh, maybe I'm not giving enough credit. Maybe I need to stop thinking about like just getting the, you know, industrial size versions of things. And these are a lot of like, like products that are just, it's not like you have to buy the, the giant box, but you often do yeah. <laughs> like or like, you know, it's like yeah, when you go there, it's like, uh, I think we need spaghetti sauce. Do we need four cans? Because that's all they're going to sell you is just that them in a four pack. It's like yeah. we need some Cheerios. Do you want two giant gigundo boxes of them stapled together? Jesus well, that'll Christ. last us for a year. <laughs> I don't need this. Yeah. See, this is the problem. I don't need this. I need I, like everything right now is trending toward like just buy what you need and have it like easily stored and laid out don't don't do oh, not create the big got, pantry silo full of stuff we got a chest freezer for baby that's where it all goes <laughs> kato oh sorry please rob no go for it oh i was just gonna ask kato about uh uh, if they have, if they, how frequently they go to their good produce go- grocery store in New York or how frequently you go to the regular grocery store or do you always go to the good produce one? I don't go to, I don't go to the good produce one very often because I'm part of a CSA. I oh, wait, we've talked, we can't talk about this <laughs> again. No, we can't, we can't. Uh, all right. Well, that will conclude another episode of Remap Radio. Our theme music, our theme song is Moments Pause by Two Mellow. You can check out his work at Two Mellow Makes uh, at uh, .bandcamp.com. You can follow everything we do at Remap Radio on Twitch, Blue Sky, Twitter, YouTube, and other platforms. Once again, we rely on our audience for support. And you can sign up to become a backer by going to remapradio.com and following the links and instructions you see there. The basic plan provides access to an ad-free version of this podcast. All the projects we carried over from Waypoint Plus, including 101, Manhunting, and the sports podcast. The foundation plan is still a work in progress. It's where we are trying out new ideas and discussing a lot of stuff we're really interested in. I think this week uh, we will have wrapped up our series on The Bear. uh, And we will be figuring out what we are doing next uh, shortly. And look, if you're looking for other ways to support us, please consider leaving a review on uh, the podcast platform of your choice. Your support, your support also lets us set a time, uh, set aside time for streaming this week. As you heard, uh, the gang played. Um, God, it just completely remnant, remnant two. two. Yeah, I, I it was like the remainder. <laughs> the things that are left. Similar, <laughs> Sim- similar residue. No, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what it is? It's, the it's close to remap. It's close to remap. And I think that's what's that's what's oh, throwing that's me what's off throwing, too. Yeah. Uh, the the gang is playing re- remap too. Uh, Patrick and I will have had, I hope, yet another yet another successful spin of the wheel uh, with with our G four sponsored sponsored streams. The streams are so good. Like they're a like, lot of fun. There's like if we are we are both playing games that 
we would have played otherwise, but also and also not watch, very much. But then also watching Rob, uh, you want to watch Rob play Dota? Do you want to watch Rob uh, uh, play an overly complex and very difficult to parse uh, bread making simulator? I just tremendous shit. It's so much fun. And I okay, well, what's the plan for Friday? Uh, Kingsfield, depending Kingsfield. on uh, whether the <laughs> <laughs> Am I, is my stream box melting? We'll see. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah. Kato, Kato, there's always there's always the I I I'm in the AC. Yeah. Kato, you don't always have to host me. <laughs> I you can could host. Yeah, but you. it just sounds like Kato's room might be a real situation. This is this is the thing. Guy. I haven't we haven't done the the 95 plus day yet, so we'll. I think I think I'll be able to control it, but there's we'll a slight we'll chance, here. given that it could hit 110, we're 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 in unspoken territory at that point. If if, <laughs> if Kato cannot if Kato cannot stream uh, King's Duel with me, I will I will have a replacement. We'll I'll do something on on Friday. All right. Well, uh, we will we will see how that how that all turns out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Remap Radio. Until then, thanks so much for choosing to spend some of your time with us. And fuck capitalism. Go home.